Welcome, everyone, to today's Market Talk. I have Rekt Capital with me today, and we're going to be diving into some really, really juicy stuff in this market. We're going to be talking about the four-year cycle, predictions for this market cycle, is the new bull run here, talking about some of the narratives, which ones matter, which ones don't, talking about money flows, the accumulation period, and much, much more. Rekt Capital, welcome to today's chat. Hey, Lark. It's great to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you. Thanks for coming on. Definitely excited to dive into this conversation. Now, if you guys don't know Rect Capital, Rect Capital, he is absolutely gifted with TA, and he's been sharing amazing charts for a very long time here on Twitter. He writes for my newsletter every week at thewealthmastery.io. If you're not signed up today yet, make sure you get that checked out. He also has his own newsletter where he dives much more into TA. So for all the TA heads out there, definitely give Rect Capital a follow. Check out his newsletter as well. But this is going to be an absolutely value-packed session. So do listen up, sit back, relax, and let Rect and I fill your life with great ideas on the market. Now, I want to dive into kind of where we are in everything. And I want to talk about the four-year cycle. So where are we in the four-year cycle? What do you see happening in the markets right now? And as a a bit of a juicy topic, do you think that this could be the last four-year cycle for Bitcoin? Oh, really interesting question. Well, about the four-year cycle, very simply, every year, it represents a 12-month candle. So each four-year cycle comprises of four 12-month candles. So candle one is, is, of course, the bull market peak, the most euphoric stage of the four-year cycle. The candle two is the bear market, where we tend to see, an, on average, an 84.5% correction. And candle three is the bottoming out candle. And that's where we are currently at the moment in a candle three and historically, we tend to see candle threes have some sort of downside wicking in the 12-month candle, but not this year. That was quite an interesting development because whenever a new candle three opens, that's essentially very close to a bear market bottom. And, and in the past, we've seen downside wicking to slightly lower levels but this time we we actually bottomed at the bottom of candle three, if you look at the 12-month chart. And on the other hand of that, you also have upside wicking in a candle three. So in 2019, for instance, we saw a very long upside wick to 13,900 at the time, and then a swift retracement. And uh, in the candle three prior to that, I think it was 2016, I believe, or maybe I'm mistaken, I'm not looking at the chart now, but um, there was a smaller upside wick there. It's quite interesting to see and analyze these candles. We're currently in a candle three, and uh, where is that local top? You know, we might be seeing another leg towards the upside, which could represent later on some portion of that upside wick. And... Um, now that we're in candle three, just to allude to your question, Lark, a candle four is where we start that bull market reversal. So we're pretty much in a confirmed bull run in, in candle four. So to answer your question, will we see another four-year cycle? Uh, we will, because every four-year cycle begins with a candle one. So the bull market peak candle. 
So where candle four is a trend reversal confirmation of the bull market, the new candle one in the new four-year cycle is the euphoric, most exuberant candle one and bull market peak candle. And then we see a retracement in candle two. So it's a bit of a complex question to answer because we will see a new four-year cycle, but will the next candles manifest themselves in the same way? Because candle one will probably see us peak in 2025. Candle two will probably be the bear market candle that we typically see across candle twos. But will the candle three and candle four emerge as we've seen in the past? That's a really interesting uh, question to ponder. We've seen changes in candle four, for instance. Candle four in the previous four-year cycle was a little bit more exuberant and actually took us to new all-time highs, whereas the four-year cycle before that, we we actually didn't see a revisit of the all-time highs. So we are seeing the four-year cycles changing, and I'm just wondering whether these four-year cycles are slightly changing by a few months with each four-year cycle. So slightly in line with the lengthening cycle hypothesis that maybe we are seeing these four-year cycles take place, but with some sort of a lengthening by a few months each time. I suppose if you have enough of those lengthenings, eventually you run out of four-year time periods and get into a five-year cycle or something like that. I think one of the interesting things, and I've been pondering this recently, and in the four-year cycle, I think for Bitcoin in particular, around the halvings and stuff, is right until proven wrong. And we are seeing such strong demand. In some ways, the current cycle, the current bear market is quite a bit different than previous bear markets. You know, We had a, a peak of daily active addresses on chain back in uh, was that May, right? And I haven't looked at the June data, but the June data might have been another bumper month for us. We have the supply of Bitcoin on exchanges, which has been in a nonstop downtrend since we peaked at the COVID uh, sell-off back in 2020, right? That was the peak of Bitcoin on exchanges. Ever since then, it's been basically down only. And right now, we're seeing small addresses, just, you know, the shrimp and the tiny addresses, people with under one Bitcoin, the demand from those players alone, not BlackRock, not Fidelity, not Investment, not any of the big players, they're outstripping the daily production capacity of Bitcoin miners by three times. So when we have the Bitcoin having next year and we drop from 900 Bitcoin a day to 450 Bitcoin a day with such strong demand at some point, you know, and think about the next having we drop from 450 Bitcoin a day to 225 Bitcoin a day. At some point, do you think, and this is, of course, you know, looking at more fundamental versus technical stuff, right? And, and uh, do you factor these kind of things into your analysis? And do you think that this could break that Bitcoin four-year cycle, seeing the on-chain metrics? Absolutely. I, I think at some point, maybe this fundamental catalyst, this fundamental shift in the Bitcoin protocol will simply affect these four-year cycles over time, but they'll probably morph into something different. Also cyclical, also sharing recurring themes over time, but it probably won't be as picture perfect as we're seeing it now, where we're seeing one, two, three, four, and one, two, three, four every every few years. But what's also interesting to, to add to that uh, in terms of the halving and the four-year cycles, kind of gelling these two topics together, is that when you look at a a candle four on the four-year cycle chart on the 12-month time frame, the candle four is actually the, the, the halving year. And it's no coincidence that we see a reversal, a confirmation of the bull market occur in that halving year, 
And of course, it's no coincidence afterwards that now that we have that um, supply shock at the same time, that in the following year, so candle one, so in this in this four cycle, it's going to be 2025, candle one, the most exuberant time in the market, that of course happens a few months after the halving. So the most exponential growth occurs uh, a few months after the halving in candle one, and that's ultimately what peaks the cycle. But really interesting uh, to to think about how this four-year cycle could disrupt and morph into something different over time, because inevitably uh, we're going to slowly run out of those four-year cycles, and and maybe we're going to see slightly longer bear markets, or or even shallower but longer bear markets, and maybe longer consolidation phases, which which is the candle three. So I'm definitely open to that because. As a technical analyst, uh, the fundamental shift in the Bitcoin protocol, which is the halving, that's a really important checkpoint, a really important signpost in the charts. So with less and less Bitcoin being produced uh, every 10 minutes, that's going to be a really important thing in also influencing the charts. But like you said, Lark, it's, it, it works until it doesn't. And so far, so good. That's right. So far, so good, right? Um, I want to get your prediction for 2023. Now, I, I've been talking a lot on uh, my channel about how I think we could see Bitcoin rally as high as 48K in uh, 2023. What are you personally seeing in the charts? What are you looking at? And what are you sort of forecasting for potentially the rest of the year? Yeah, I think like that's a sensible um, price to think about 48k. That happens to be the four-year cycle resistance. And alluding to the four-year cycles changing over time, we're already seeing the four-year cycle resistance a figure a little bit differently in this four-year cycle. So in the previous four-year cycle, the four-year cycle resistance was the 13900 region, which happened to also be the June 2019 peak at the time. Whereas in this four-year cycle, we have two resistances in a way. And one of those resistances, the, the utmost top one is 48K, like you mentioned, but the lower one is around 30K. So we now have a block of resistance. It's like a, a massive box of resistance from 30K to 48K. And that's where we'll probably register that local local top. And I think when anybody is thinking about a bear market bottom and, and dollar cost averaging into Bitcoin, when we've retraced 70 or 80% and slowly buying to lower your average overall average price to get the best possible average price for your investment, the same goes for any swing trader or, or midterm trader who, who's trying to snipe the local top. It's it's never a good idea to try and snipe the actual peak and local top. But the four-year cycle is giving us a pretty good range from 30K to 48K. It's quite a wide range, admittedly, but it gives us a range nonetheless that that's where we'll probably see a local top uh, peak. And in the spirit of dollar cost averaging out of the market, if you're trading this entire swing from 15,500, slowly dollar cost averaging and setting that position from 30K to 48K is something that one could consider to slowly dollar cost average out of the market bit by bit in, in a laddered way. And um, the last thing to perhaps mention in terms of just trying to understand and pinpoint this price a, a bit more, whether that's going to be 40, 42K or whatnot, 
Across four-year cycles, we also see a multi-year resistance, a multi-year macro diagonal on the four-year cycle 12-month chart. And can we see that sort of diagonal also in this four-year cycle? And it really depends on the slope of that diagonal because uh, the, the candle too doesn't have an upside wick, which you could attach that trend line to. But if we were to assume a diagonal of around eight degrees or, or something like that, that would give us a, a local top in that resistance area of 35K. So it's about trying to play around with these different pieces of insights, the multi-year diagonal on a four-year cycle chart, but also the resistance area from 30 to 48K. So it comes down to around 35, 40K. And, and the way that the rest of the year will play out, we'll probably, we'll probably see that local top. We'll see a deep retracement as, uh, as we tend to see in uh, candle threes. And that retracement could see us go even into early 2024. And then we'll probably have a recovery. And just before the halving, when people are expecting, you know, they're buying the hype and wanting to sell the news, we might have a recovery into the halving, then see a, a, either a period of consolidation followed by a retrace or a retracement before the halving. And that's typically what I call very, very aptly a pre-halving retrace. Across cycles, we always see a pre-halving retrace and uh, that, that tends to be quite a deep retrace. It's essentially people being just leveraged to the gills and trying to play this uh, catalyst that is the halving, buying and then trying to sell the hype um, or rather buy the hype and sell the news. But unfortunately, for those short-term traders, the halving is a more longer-term play. We see Bitcoin's price appreciate tremendously in the following months after the halving rather than trying to play and trade it in the weeks leading up to the halving where we actually don't see price appreciate that much. In fact, we see that pre-halving retrace. So going into the end of the year, a uh, local top at some point, so we have another leg going up towards the upside into that four-year cycle resistance area. Retracement, a, a deep one, probably going into 2024, early 2024, then a recovery, and then that pre-halving retrace. What's interesting in uh, 2020, right, we actually saw the – it was very much a, a market-driven event versus on the whole COVID thing, right? We actually saw the price come back down within a few hundred dollars of the bear market bottom from uh, late 2018, right? That was quite an impressive thing. Assuming we don't have some kind of wild market event like that, you know, maybe we see Bitcoin round to 48K and back down to 30K or something like that. And that'd be a pretty significant move, realistically, uh, in the markets for Bitcoin. But in a lot of ways, I feel like, you know, that new market cycle is beginning. But it's a weird time in markets because when you have these new market cycles starting to, to heat up, right, there's a lot of volatility um, to the downside continually, right? It's not a new bull run in the sense that it's the euphoric time where everyone's getting, you know, super silly rich overnight kind of stuff. It's that quiet time. There's a lot of sideways market action. We've seen lots of periods of sideways action this year, right? We have some kind of catalyst, we get a bump up and then sideways. And we've had some of the most uh, low volume periods, and we've had some of the most low volatility periods throughout 2023 20, uh, as well, which has been pretty crazy to see, but it, it feels just so typical of that earliest stages of a new market cycle starting to form up where people aren't really showing back up yet. People have been burned, people have PTSD, 
people are not really accepting that, hey, all this big news is happening, all these big fundamental things are happening on chain and in the news and looking at the technicals. And so um, you personally, how are you playing this kind of early market period uh, with your portfolio and your, with your trading? So that's a very interesting question. So I'll put it this way. I have a huddle portfolio, so a long-term investing portfolio with a long-term investing horizon, which is with my main thesis being the, the Bitcoin halving event. Uh, I'm very familiar with how Bitcoin tends to react to the halving. Uh, I, I once wrote a research paper on those historically recurring price tendencies, and a lot of them still tend to repeat. There are certain checkpoints, such as the Bitcoin uh, pre-halving retrace and, and the local top in Candle 3 and so on. And the way I'm playing this Bitcoin halving for my HODL portfolio is to simply, uh, of course, I was accumulating in the sub-20K region, even though data science suggests that anything below 35K is accumulation area, which will which will really benefit bargain buyers with their ROI over time in the immediate months after the halving. So the way I'm playing this is I have a huddle portfolio that I don't touch. I just accumulate Bitcoin and, and some large caps like Ethereum. Chainlink was on that list as well. And Litecoin as well. Litecoin being one of those strategic plays because if we think about the Litecoin halving, that's a kind of swing trade opportunity to just play on that. Uh, hype, but also at the same time, Litecoin has a history of retracing quite significantly immediately after its uh, Litecoin halving, which uh, enables yet another accumulation opportunity for for Litecoin as well. So uh, those are kind of two dollar cost averaging uh, positions in a bear market bottom, but also post Litecoin halving, where we tend to see seventy eight to eighty four percent retracement uh, after the Litecoin halving. So. That's the HODL portfolio, uh, Bitcoin and large caps, so representative of the higher portion of the crypto money flow cycle. But at the same time, I also have a midterm portfolio. So uh, as I alluded to, Litecoin being one of those plays, which is like a midterm play that I can play for the Litecoin halving and, and try to uh, dollar cost average near the local top. And of course, the short-term play, which is more focused on weekly swings, daily swings, uh, altcoins pretty much. But of course, at the same time, uh, I have a 10x altcoin portfolio. So, so you can see that there are different strategies for different market conditions with different time horizons. That's essentially the main takeaway here with also different embedded risk tolerances because the 10x altcoin portfolio of course, building that around this time in the market where altcoins have retraced 80 to 90% or even 95%, that's always a good time to be accumulating projects that you're bullish on for a 10x because, of course, in the bull market peak, that's when we'll see these high-risk, high-reward plays truly play out. And uh, in a 10x portfolio like that, of course, uh, small position sizes, um, a lot of diversification, so spread out across maybe 10 coins and, and even nine, nine coins could fail, but that 10th coin might produce a 10 or 20x. You never, you never know. So diversification with different types of portfolios, 10x portfolio, altcoin portfolio, more of a short-term portfolio, which in turn that profit circulation 
the profits that I generate from a short-term portfolio, I can circulate more into my mid-term portfolio and then maybe even into my long-term bag if we see a deeper Bitcoin retracement. And that's definitely what I'll be doing uh, later in the year, going into early 2024. And lastly, uh, keeping a stable coin position and a fiat position to be buying any dips in an uptrending market and to be uh, utilizing that that cash reserve on deeper retraces. It's been interesting to see how many opportunities there have been in the market this year. And for the people who have not been dialed in, they've missed out on a lot of opportunities. You mentioned the Litecoin halving, for example. And that was a narrative that definitely saw a lot of play on uh, crypto Twitter and social media, where people were getting very excited for Litecoin halving and, um, you know, we will see the retracement inevitably once the hype dies down on that. But that opportunity, especially if you added even some light leverage on two or three X, for example, you know, there was a lot of opportunity to make some some good gains on playing the Litecoin having. That's just one of a dozen different opportunities that have presented themselves throughout the year. We've seen Arbitrum ecosystem coins absolutely popping off. We've seen uh, Cardano ecosystem coins. Those have been having a crazy run recently. So we've seen a lot of um, opportunities within this early stage cycle where not a lot of people are dialed in. And I got to say, it's not it's not the easy money time right now, but it's definitely a time when money can be made if you're paying attention. So that's a really important thing for everybody to keep in mind is that there are those opportunities. And so if you're looking for ways to make money in the market, I mean, the fact that not a lot of people are here right now it actually, in some ways, kind of makes it easier and a lot less stressful to try to make money in the market right now because you don't have the crazy euphoria and the herd mentality and all that stuff going on. But we do see these new narratives popping up, whether it's Litecoin having or we saw Bitcoin Cash, for example, pumping pretty big as well, potentially over their listing on the EDX exchange, which is you know a big Wall Street-backed exchange for those of you guys who don't know. But what, what do you think about, uh, for example, the SEC versus altcoins right now? So thinking kind of beyond just the, the basics of technicals, but how, how much are you factoring in these sort of narratives when you're looking at making trades? You know, so, of course, we had Litecoin having great narrative, right? And people are definitely playing that narrative. Uh, but what about, you know, to the downside right, and seeing risks with the altcoins that the SEC, for example, has listed as potential securities? So how are you factoring that into your analysis right now? So that's a good question. Uh, as a swing trader, I predominantly trade higher time frames. Uh, so even when I'm in my short-term portfolio, those are multi-day or even up to week, two-week, three-week plays. Whereas uh, my my mid-term portfolio consists of uh, at least a month to three months. So these sort of catalysts, and it's good to to mention the SEC suing some major crypto exchanges uh, several weeks back because in the week or two that f following that news, we saw Bitcoin break out and the whole crypto market go towards the upside. And it just shows how these fundamental catalysts can be qu quite, and, and narratives can be quite fickle at times. And the SEC, uh, well, of course, the SEC suing uh, crypto exchanges, that that's never really... Uh, occurred before, I believe. But when it comes to the SEC threatening or or deciding to enlist some altcoins as securities, we we've seen that narrative emerge 
it's a recurring narrative across cycles, uh, much like uh, China banning uh, mining for Bitcoin. It's it's a catalyst that emerges across cycles. And to talk about China banning mining uh, for Bitcoin, for example, uh, we've we've seen that narrative emerge since perhaps 2013 at the earliest. And with each time that we have that sort of announcement along the lines of uh, banning Bitcoin mining in China, we see a lesser and lesser and lesser reaction in price to that narrative, to that catalyst. And I feel like over time, of course, on the higher timeframes, the ones that I'm trading, for example, these catalysts just facilitate dips, for instance, or, or, or retracements. But I feel like the SEC, with its attitude towards altcoins, that's also going to be a narrative and catalyst that yields less and less of a reaction in the market because people are just going to it's habituation, so people are going to get a bit more used to that catalyst not not really manifesting itself exactly. much in price. Oh, the SEC suing another cryptocurrency exchange. What's new? It must be a Tuesday, right? Yeah, exactly. I want to get into something really juicy here with you. So which altcoins are you most bullish on? If we talk about your 10x portfolio of uh, altcoins, so which altcoins are you most bullish on? Maybe give us a couple names of ones that you are, are looking at, you may potentially personally invested in, and you're bullish on. And which altcoins uh, are you looking at in the market right now that you're quite bearish on and wouldn't personally be buying? That's a very interesting question as well. When it comes to the altcoin 10x portfolio, um, I actually share 10 of my altcoin picks uh, for 10x in the Rex Capital newsletter. And I, I have a whole list of 10 altcoins, but I'll share here uh, with you guys a few. And, and one of them, let's not look too far, for instance, Litecoin. And it will come across as a very peculiar choice. But hear me out for a second, because nothing beats historical cyclicality. When you're trying to build a high-risk, high-reward portfolio that is a 10x portfolio, you want to mitigate as much as possible that extremely, already extremely high risk. You want to mitigate that uncertainty that comes along with such a portfolio. And one way of doing that is historical cyclicality in a price chart, recurring themes, emerging narratives, ones that we can hang our hat on and try and understand the price action a bit better over time. And Litecoin has that historical heritage. It's been in the space for a long time. It behaves in a very cyclical manner. And its obvious checkpoint and signpost is the Litecoin halving. We know that there tends to be a pre-halving local top a few weeks before the halving. We know that there's going to be a deep retracement, most likely, of course, if history repeats itself. Litecoin tends to retrace quite significantly after the halving. So that represents a very good dollar cost averaging opportunity for someone like myself who wants to be dollar cost averaging and building a position for a potential 10x. And then that move towards the upside. It could be 10x, it could be 900% or 850% towards the $400 region or $350 region as we've seen in the past. But I think the key thing here isn't so much the 10x when it comes to Litecoin, because of course, when you have a 10x portfolio, some altcoins will make a 20x or a 15x, some might go to zero, and some might make an 8x. And I think if Litecoin doesn't does an 8x or 9x, uh, nobody's going to be crying about that. 
but the main thing about Litecoin here is that it's really important in terms of denoting local tops in the market or even cycle tops. It has a really important, it plays a very important role in the market in just giving us a bit more insight into where could we see a potential top in the market? And Litecoin tends to be that final indicator that, okay, the crypto money flow cycle is slowly coming to an end. And when we see a strong rally on Litecoin, that's when we tend to see uh, local tops, if not cycle tops for, for price. And to answer your second part of the question, like uh, which altcoins would I be avoiding in general? And um, there is no particular altcoin that I'd be avoiding because I'm avoiding many altcoins, to be fair. And I feel like the market is still very much, uh, for altcoins at least, because altcoins tend to lag quite significantly behind Bitcoin. And it's currently Bitcoin season. Bitcoin dominance is a testament to that. We're seeing a very strong uptrend, macro uptrend for Bitcoin dominance. And the fact that it's in a that Bitcoin dominance is in a very strong macro uptrend, it it means that we're going to have very small, short altcoin windows where altcoins could outperform in the market. And as a result of that, it just shows to us that the market isn't ready for the crypto money flow cycle to start to flourish. And the way the crypto money flow cycle behaves essentially is that people have fiat at the very top of the cycle they use that fiat to buy bitcoin and then once they've enjoyed a bit of uh, profits from bitcoin on a bitcoin rally they start to think about large caps like ethereum and and they circulate their profits there so at the same time they circulate their profits into a smaller cap uh, altcoin such as ethereum ethereum has a smaller market cap than bitcoin and as a result it can move a little bit more than bitcoin so it could appreciate a bit more towards the upside and of course at the same time there's a bit more risk attached so when people enjoy profits on bitcoin they start to look for smaller market cap altcoins going into large caps like ethereum and then even more into mid caps into small caps and then ultra small caps so uh, the, essentially people get a little bit more greedier and a little bit more believing in the market and exuberant about market conditions. They increase their risk tolerance and risk appetite over time gradually, and they're more okay with more and more diversification in their portfolio and skewing that diversification over time as the crypto money flow cycle progresses, skewing that diversification to riskier and riskier assets which of course have a high prospect of reward, but at the same time, high risk as well. It's pretty interesting to look at the money flow because you see it really go from low risk to high risk uh, throughout that cycle. And you, if you look back at previous cycles, we can see so much evidence of that. For example, when you start to see the meme coins pumping like crazy, not always, right? We did see, for example, earlier this year, some big meme coin moves, the Pepe coin, which is a bit of uh, an anomaly. And it did lead to a bit of a cooling down in that temporary run, but if we're talking about the bigger picture, right? When we see uh, monkey JPEGs trading for a million dollars again, it's probably a time to think, well, maybe this market is slightly overheated, right? And that gets down to the areas of risk, right? When Bitcoin's pumping, that's the lowest risk asset in the cryptocurrency market. When NFTs are going crazy, NFTs are likely right at the farthest extremity of the risk factor in the cryptocurrency space 
right? And we can put meme coins in there and as well as very low cap altcoins. We're talking about stuff with under 10, under $5 million market caps, things that are very new to the market, haven't proven anything uh, yet. Maybe they're still just in the white paper and dream phase, but they have a token trading. So this is all very, very risky, risky stuff. But that's the stuff that tends to move very hard, very fast nearing the ends of the cycles as we talk about the money flow, right? So uh, next question I have for you, how long do you think we're going to get uh, in terms of an accumulation period here? How long do we get to buy relatively cheap, uh, valued Bitcoin and top coins for? How long before we see um, things, and especially near the top coins, becoming less attractive purchases? Well, now that we've seen uh, Candle 3 this year be that consolidation phase for Bitcoin before finally taking off in 2024, I think the halving will be a very useful checkpoint for for that because until the halving, it's fair game, theoretically, technically, for Bitcoin and altcoins alike. There's still a lot of volatility for Bitcoin to be had. Uh, as we were talking about earlier, there could be a local top for Bitcoin this year still deeper retracement so that probably is going to satisfy the requirement of having a little bit of a lower bitcoin uh, maybe that retracement will go into 2024 and the reason i mentioned this is that if we actually look at the four-year cycle chart every candle four which is uh in 2024 uh because we're in a candle three right now every candle four has a downside wick which goes towards the candle three so that essentially in practical terms means that in early 2024, we could see a downside wick in Bitcoin's price action, not to 15,500, but maybe into the 20K region, maybe even 18K, slightly below then, if history repeats itself. And that's quite interesting because historically, these downside wicks in a halving year tend to occur, just natural volatility going into the halving. And I feel like that would be one of the last major opportunities to to buy some cheap Bitcoin at a very discounted price before the post-halving uh, hype comes in, where then Bitcoin just rallies to new all-time highs in the following months after the halving. So I feel like local top and then retracement, maybe going into early 2024 with that bottom coming in early 2024 around the 20K region, maybe in the higher 20 uh, thousands maybe we won't get as long as a downside wick as we'd like but i feel like that downside wick is is coming and uh it'll be one of the last opportunities to to dollar cost average bitcoin at a very attractive price before it skyrockets after the halving the day will come the day will come when those cheap prices simply do not exist anymore and if you look back to the previous halving right you have to understand that right now Anybody who bought Bitcoin before the last Bitcoin halving, even if you had the misfortune of buying the absolute Pico top on was it December 18th, 2017, for that day or two when Bitcoin traded above like $15,000, right? If you bought in those couple of day period, even now you're still in profit, which is very, very interesting. But basically, had you um, dollar cost averaged at almost any point between the last having and the having before that, 
you'd be big time in the money right now. And as we see demand rise, as we see relative scarcity increase, as less Bitcoin becomes available on exchanges and miners start producing less, et cetera, et cetera, the likelihood of increased market lows being much, much higher, right, when the next cycle becomes more likely, where we could see the next cycle's market bottom coming in at $50,000, for example, so that anybody who bought before this having basically is going to be in profit in the future. So it's a very interesting thing to think about. Now, the final question I want to have here for you today, and this is a very important one I think everyone's really going to want to listen to, is we're in this cycle right now. We're in the accumulation period. We're still pre-Bitcoin halving, but the Bitcoin halving is going to come less than a year away. Right, like clockwork, it'll happen. And then we get the big run. And we see that often we see quite fast moves post Bitcoin having growth within six to twelve months we can get a cycle peak, for example. But what are you looking for in terms of when to sell? When are you gonna pull the trigger and say, All right, it's time to get the heck out of the markets? I got to get my cash. I got to run away. Things are getting too crazy here. What signals are you looking for from the market to let you know when to largely exit out of your positions and move into cash? So there are a wide variety of data science metrics that we can use to our advantage, some indicators, and sometimes just pure recurring themes in the price action. And in terms of recurring themes in the price action, for instance, there's a certain amount of days between the halving and then the bull market peak every single time. And, and that's around, I believe, uh, 500 days, if, if I'm not mistaken. I'm not looking at the chart at the moment. But we have these historically recurring tendencies. For instance, Bitcoin tends to break its macro downtrend a, a year or 397 days before the halving. And that's happened this cycle, and it happened in the cycles before that. And that was actually a tweet. I had a tweet um, that uh, featured that analysis before that happened. So it's pretty wild that these historically recurring tendencies still recur even today in these cycles. And I feel like one of the recurring tendencies that's also going to occur uh, in this cycle is going to be the length of time from the halving to the bull market peak because it's roughly speaking the same time, same amount of days every single time, and and it's around 500 days. So that's one of the things to be looking out for. The other thing to look out for, or rather data science metric, is the Pi Cycle Top indicator. It's a very valuable Pi Cycle Top uh, indicator where essentially two longer-term moving averages cross over at some point in the cycle later down the, the road in the cycle and within a week or so when these EMAs cross over or other moving averages they're not exponential when they cross over we tend to see a bull market peak quite soon after after that and the pie cycle top the reason I'm mentioning this metric is because it was one of the very few metrics that actually was accurate in the 2021 bull market it was the only metric that actually denoted to us that there's a crossover and the, the bull market is slowly, slowly coming to an end. So let me just interject metrics... real quick because I want to I tell people the numbers on the on the pie cycle here. So the pie cycle uh, top indicator, it crossed on, let me see here, April 11th or 10th approximately. And then the peak price came in April 14th. So it's three or four days later, the market peaked. 
Now the market that was at $64,000. Now by May 11th, the price of Bitcoin was still trading around $56 to $57,000. However, those you had about a month to get out after the Pi cycle top indicator flashed the signal and said, hey, it's time to sell. Look, I didn't pay enough attention to this last cycle, certainly paying attention in the next cycle. But within a few days post the flash of the signal, we, hit, we saw the peak. And within a month after that, we still had a great opportunity to get out of the market at very high valuations. But after that, we saw a massive retracement of the price of Bitcoin dropping over 50% into July of 2021. And of course, we had the, uh, I guess you didn't consider that really, to some extent, kind of a bear market rally almost, where we saw the price of Bitcoin go up to uh, almost $69,000 in uh, November around the El Salvador Bitcoin legal tender situation. But realistically, if you'd got out of the market in April of 2021, you would have done pretty damn well. So I just want to share with those numbers, everybody, so we, you know exactly what we're talking about. We're talking about this Pi cycle top indicator and what it actually meant for the market. Yeah, very valuable. Uh, very valuable there. The Pi cycle top indicator, one of the very few accurate indicators in that previous cycle. And just to uh, give some more, actually some more insight and numbers to what I mentioned about the recurring tendencies after the halving. So for instance, after the July 2016 halving, it took Bitcoin 518 days to top out in its bull market. And then after the May 2020 halving, it took Bitcoin 550 days to top out. So if we were to see history repeat itself and and from the November from the um, halving this time around, uh, let's see here, April 2024 and measure 518 days from there, that would essentially give us a cycle top of around September 2025. And if it's 550 days, it will be October 2025. So 2025 being that year, the candle one, it'll be very interesting to see whether this continues to repeat 500 days after the Bitcoin halving is when Bitcoin tends to peak. Of course, when it comes to trying to snipe the the price top or or perfectly predict the time at which the Bitcoin bull market will occur, I feel like it's much better to just have a general understanding of these tendencies and, of course, slowly dollar cost average into that euphoria, into that exuberance, because uh, many people will be very much enthusiastic and, and peak FOMO and greed going on at that time. And uh, just alluding back to what, what you said, Lark, earlier on about cheap prices being quite a relative term because uh, in prior halvings, even if somebody bought the peak around the halving event or whatnot, they'd still be massively in profit to, today. And and even if uh, somebody were, were to even market buy today and just hold for the next five years, they'd probably do very very well so even today's prices it, it all depends on the time frame that you're thinking about really even today's prices are a bargain in terms of the next four five six years and so on so cheap prices are relative and they are getting more expensive over time of course the people who are in the previous halving cycles are doing very well if they if they held and uh, anybody in this pre-halving period as well, even market buying, although I wouldn't, I wouldn't advise for market buying, but even the data science 
uh, technically suggests that any price below 32k is a bargain over the over the next few years for bargain buyers but just a last thing about market buying and why not to do that necessarily anytime because if you're investing for the halving such as i am for instance well the halving is in several months and then it takes several months after the halving for bitcoin to appreciate dramatically so that's a that's a time horizon of a year to a year and a half maybe even two years roughly speaking so it's a long-term time horizon so why why market buy and buy something in two minutes if you're going to be holding for two years right your buying strategy should at least try to match the time horizon not to be accumulating for two years or those people i know people who who definitely do that but to be accumulating a decent amount of time and also at the same time having a long-term horizon so not to accumulate in two minutes but maybe 20 days or or a few months and then hold for for the long term but something to be very excited about the bitcoin halving is not too far away and historically post halving we tend to see bitcoin rally quite dramatically and it's something really to look forward to Right, Capital, thank you very much for joining us today for this very interesting conversation, really diving into the numbers, the data, and, and everything behind the market cycles and the money cycles, the money flow. So thank you very much for your time today. Of course, everyone, make sure to follow at Rect Capital on Twitter. Check out his newsletter as well. And check out the Wealth Mastery newsletter at thewealthmastery.io, where he's also writing technical analysis for us. You can enjoy that over there as well. So thank you very much. And thank you very much for joining us, everyone, for listening and joining this conversation today. Thank you very much.